1: everyone. This is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast, and my guest today is Justin Michael-William. Justin, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me.
2: Thank you. So excited to be here.
1: Yeah, and I'm really excited to have you. Um, we are very simpatico, and this, I know, will be a lot of fun and uh, insightful and engaging and all of those wonderful things in life. So. Before we dive into that, I want to share your bio with uh, our listeners. Justin Michael Williams is an author, speaker, and top 20 recording artist who is using music and meditation to wake up the world. By working at the intersection of music, mindfulness, and social justice, Justin has become a pioneering millennial voice for diversity and inclusion in wellness. He has been featured by Billboard.com and Yoga Journal, shared the stage with Deepak Chopra, and presented at events such as Wanderlust and South by Southwest. Justin is committed to using his voice for change, and his greatest wish is to empower people from all walks of life to wake up to their life's purpose and accomplish the dreams they once thought were impossible. For more information, please visit www.staywokegiveback.com, and you can find Justin on social media at we. Just Will, W-E-J-U-S-T-W-I-L-L. If you're checking this out on the Be Here Now Network, just scroll on down and we'll already have that linked up for you so you don't even have to type it in. We do what we can to make life easy for you around these parts. Justin, so good to have you on the show. Yeah, Chris. Thank you, man. Yeah, so I I start my show pretty much the same way every time. I love human stories and uh, especially people that are in fields such as you and I are, you know, trying to help people in whatever capacity we feel called to do that. So uh, I leave it up to you as I do all listeners, but I would love to hear about your journey leading you up to the point you are today. So you can start as far back as childhood, teenager, wherever you're comfortable going with this. I leave it to you, but um, I would just love to hear what led you to where you are today. So I'm a Pisces. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: Gem-
1: Gemini here. Okay. <laughs>
2: so you're the crazy one. I'm that, just kidding. <laughs> no,
1: you are correct, sir.
2: <laughs> so, you know, I think I think what I feel called to share is, uh, you know, one of the most important lessons on purpose and, and living in your purpose that I've ever had in my entire life. So uh, several years ago, my grandmother, who I was Super close to, got diagnosed with stage four cancer, and the doctors told her she only had a few months to live. Mm. And uh, when this happened, it was a huge shock to our family. My Baca—that's what we called her uh, right. in my family. Baca means grandma yes. because I was a weird little kid, and I made up words, and <laughs> it just stuck. And so I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so um, uh, I flew home to to be with her in the Bay Area, and she was young, what I consider young, like sixty seven, seemingly healthy. Oh, you know, that is young like yeah, like very active and and she had a nonprofit and, and had a lot going on in the community. And so it was a, a big shock to us. And so I fly home to the Bay Area to my hometown um, called Pittsburgh, California. There's a Pittsburgh in California. People I are normally shocked to know that. Did not know that. <laughs> yeah. And um, And I walk in the door and she pulls me in and she asked me a question that literally changed the trajectory of my entire life. She said, if you were in my shoes and you knew you were going to die in two months, what would you do? And I'm looking at her like, what are you talking about? You know, like I'm, right. I'm here, you're dying. I'm not. I, I mean, I guess I am, but right. hopefully more slowly and like, yeah. you know, like all these things. And, and she just says, look, I've been wanting to ask you this for a long time, but now that I know I don't have a lot of time left, I'm going to ask you now. So close your eyes, get quiet and listen. If you were in my shoes and you knew you were going to die in two months, what would you do? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And I just closed my eyes and I said, it like blurted out of me. I just said, I would quit everything I'm doing and I would record an album. I would do music. And she just said, I know. She was like, I know. And the thing is, I had always wanted to do music, Chris, ever since I was a little boy, but like, I never thought I was good enough. I used to get teased all the time about being gay, about being too feminine, about being this, being that. Sure. And I let all the at school who kind of bullied me make me think I sucked at everything, and I stopped myself to do that thing that seemed more safe, that seemed more yeah. secure, that seemed more successful, that followed everybody else's expectations of, of what it would be. And um, I think we all have these things, you know, like, Dreams that we cap or these limits that we put on ourselves because people yeah. say we're too fat or too old or too ugly or too gay or you're a woman. Or my favorite is like, oh, well, you waited too long, right? Oh, or these yeah. different Like if you would have started sooner, you could have done that, but not now, right? you know? And we all have these things. And so when my grandma asked me that question, it's crazy. Like I, I've been, I saw this quote recently, just a couple of weeks ago, that I've been sharing with everyone, and so I'll share it here. That yeah. um, it's an anonymous quote, which I always think are weird, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an anonymous quote, and um, it says, "Someone once told me the definition of hell: on the last day you have on Earth, the person you became will meet the person you could have become. Mm. Wow. The last day you have on Earth, the person you became." get to meet the person you could have. And so when I was there and and I told my grandma I would do music and and all that, I I felt that energy, that energy of that quote, I think that that landed probably in the same place it landed in me the first time I saw it, you know? And, um, you know, it just, it changed the orbit of my entire life. Sure, And, uh, I promised her I would do it. She made me look, and, look her in the eyes and promise I would do it. And I had no freaking idea how I would do it. Like I, at that point, had a pretty bustling career in marketing. I was, you know, that was kind of my safe job. I started a marketing company in college. And most people would have said that I was living the dream. I, yeah. you know, I grew up in the hood. I grew up in a home with gunshot holes outside of my house. Sure. And, you know, to go. So like for me, success meant, you know, making money, getting out, right? like being new environment and I had done all those things and what happened was on the outside my life looked like it was successful but on the inside I felt this dissonance that wasn't resonating with what the truth was for my life and the calling on my life and so this really woke that up and um you know I'm grateful to say that three years ago I fulfilled that promise to my grandma I put out my album yeah um it charted like you said on the thing in in the top 20 of iTunes which was. Nuts and That's, like totally cool. unexpected. I was screaming I, like when it happened. I was teaching at Yoga Journal actually in Colorado, and it was like the middle of the night. And it came out, and I I thought hopefully I would make it somewhere on the charts. Yeah. So yeah. my goal was to like make it in the top two hundred. <laughs> so I like scrolled all. I opened the charts and scrolled all the way down, yeah. and I'm like no. Nope. Yeah to like 50 I'm like I guess I didn't make it and then I saw myself there next to Britney Spears and I started screaming
1: (laughs) well congratulations man that's amazing like (laughs) you know so we have different stories but it is so interesting for me to listen to you share this because you know I'm a, a white kid from the east coast I'm 41 so I'm sure I'm older than you but you know so first of all it's interesting that you know, I too have spoken at Yoga Journal and Wanderlust and I'm a musician. Yeah. I have not reached the billboard, but that's because I do the underground indie thing. But you know, I've been a musician since thirteen and put out CDs yeah. and toured and I'm in two bands right now and um, while I'm not gay, where I went to high school, I was into like punk and hardcore and underground hip hop and had piercings and this was the early nineties in a rural area that didn't understand that and you know, so I was like one of the bad kids and the teachers yeah, the outcast. You know, yeah, exactly. And I had a couple of friends that were gay and they were scared to come out of the closet because they knew what would happen. And, you know, I got in many fights like standing up for them and, or bullied just because I was different in a, in a different way than yourself. But, um, you know, and, and here I am like today on the other side of that, um, the, I love that you said, um, about the, it's, uh, too late. My first book didn't yeah. come out till I was 35, and I wasn't even looking to write a book. Talk about yeah. synchronicity. Same. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> like, it's yeah. insane how life happens. And, you know, I not that I've, again, I haven't been on Billboard with Britney, but, like, I've presented at festivals with, like, Jewel and Greg yeah. Louganis. And, you know, I write for uh, magazines that I love and have read since a kid, and my books have all been in Thrasher Skateboarding magazine. And, you know, these things that, like, are are beyond my wildest dreams. And yeah. and so anyways, I share that just because I love the fact that, again, we have different backgrounds, but there are so many similarities different, in different mm-hmm. ways, but so many. And so what I wanted to do, uh, jumping into your book, unless there was anything else you wanted to share... I didn't I don't know if I cut you off. no, there.
2: I no, you didn't. Yeah. I, I just think though, what's so amazing about this, and I'm so glad you shared what you did, Chris, because yes. I think so many of us have this similarity, regardless of the dream, if it's music yes. or if it's writing right. a book or if it's or if it's a family or a relationship or something about your body, or there's so many different domains of our lives of right. things that we all see for ourselves. And I think so many of us we close our eyes and we can see this life we haven't started living yet right and you know i think even a lot of people ask me like well like so why do you teach meditation you know yeah. and and like how does that fit into the whole thing and i tell people if it wasn't for my meditation practice look yes. like meditation is like the glue that has held my entire life together if it wasn't yep. for this practice and the awareness that comes from it i would there is no chance i would be living this life that i'm living today yeah. there's no chance i would have had the inner knowing and the um, a relationship with my inner self to not ignore the calling that I heard, you know, on my life. And, and so anyway, I just think that so many of us have that and I'm, and I'm so glad that you resonate with it too. You know? Yeah,
1: I totally do. And that made me think of like, you know, when I connect with people, uh, yes, you see outsides cause we have eyes, but I come from a space of like a heart centered, you know? And, I Two of my early mentors, when I started writing the book, one of them, they're both New York Times bestselling authors, and one of them, you know, couldn't be completely different people in age and interests. I'm covered in tattoos, head to toe, music differences but we connected in that heart space and where it matters, you know, like I don't care what someone else looks like. I'm more interested in what are, what's in your heart? What are you doing in the world? Where can we find commonality and and come together and help other people? Um, So, you know, I, I'm, I know we're on the same page there and I think that's beautiful. And, and I think that's a really lovely segue into, um, before we talk about your book, uh, which I should say is called Stay Woke, A Meditation Guide for the Rest of Us. I love that title. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so I wanted to read a part off of the back jacket. Now, for listeners, I have uh, an advanced mini version of the book. I don't know if this will be on the official one, but I want to read it. One, okay, it, 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 I think it does a great job of helping give an idea of the book. And two, when yeah. I'm reading it, I'm like – was that on the back of my first book? Because it sounded so <laughs> similar, but in in such a great way. I'm so psyched about this. So it says, um, "Stay woke is for all the people. All people of all backgrounds deserve to have access to the information they need to change their lives. And if you grow up in struggle overcoming homophobia, anxiety, sexism, depression." poverty, toxic masculinity, racism, or trauma, you need a different type of meditation. One that doesn't pretend the struggle doesn't exist. Amen. Couldn't agree more. That's the approach I take. I do, aside from speaking at conferences and writing books like you, every week um, there's a youth mental health uh, and healing facility here, a residential with uh, two campuses, one for the males, females, or however they identify uh, respectfully. Yeah. And, um, you know, I go in there and, and I work with them, teaching them meditation and mindfulness and a lot of what you write. And it's equal parts heartwarming and heartbreaking because, yeah. you know, I, I connect pretty easily because they see the tattoos and I'm usually wearing, you know, whatever, a Wu-Tang t-shirt or something like that. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like that opens the door and they listen and seeds are being planted. But it's heartbreaking in the sense that they're thirteen to eighteen and here they are like from legit suicide attempts or the cuts on the arms of which I have too. But you know, seeing that it's uh it's it's so difficult. So I deeply bow to the work that you're doing because that demographic specifically The majority of them feel so misunderstood and are finding their sexual identity and are having struggle with their parents and all of these things you address in the book. So I figured let's start by I just named a whole bunch of things like, you know, the sexism, anxiety, homophobia, and that this is the book or a different type of meditation for people that know the struggle is real. Can yep. you elaborate on that before we jump into the like specifics of the book for the others? Because, like I said in my first book, I wrote almost almost that same paragraph. Like that's amazing, Chris. Yeah. We're so connected. yeah, in. seriously, <laughs> we are. Yeah, I'll, I'll, so I'll text you a picture of it or something. I'll send you the. Uh, we'll talk after. But
2: yes. I, so okay. So your question is expanding on on that, which yes. you just said about yes. the struggle. Yeah. So. You know, I think it's really interesting. Like the, okay, I'm just going to be like really direct here. So, you know, for uh, much of my life, and now for me, I'm I'm almost well. When this comes out, I'll be 32, and I'm, I'm almost 32. And yeah. I started doing yoga meditation when I was 18.
1: That's awesome. And
2: um, and when I was in college, and it started for me actually because I had. You know, like I said, done everything that I that I thought I was supposed to do. I got a full ride scholarship to go to college. I was living in Westwood. I had extra money for the first time in my whole life because of the scholarship. I was getting good grades. I was doing whatever, but inside, I still felt like I was this kid who was living in a house that had to like pay attention to gunshots going off right. outside. Yeah. You know, and that inner world still felt so traumatized, and none of the practices felt like they were speaking to that yeah and at at that point it felt like it was like the spiritual bypassing which i wasn't really those words weren't really in the you know language back then and and so i kept asking these questions like how do i how do i apply these teachings to this context because quite frankly a lot of the people who were teaching it have never lived that context so how how would they be able to apply it to this context, you know? And and so I think one of the big questions that we have to ask, and I think the spiritual community has been doing a fantastic job at asking some important questions lately. Like, you know, I was just at a a spiritual retreat center recently and, and somebody that's on the staff there came up to me and I was, Out of 300 and something people on the entire campus, I was the only person of color on the campus. You know, and this is in 2019. And they come up to me and ask, like, how do we get more people of color here? And I said, look, I think that's a great question. But like, I don't think that's the only question we need to be asking. Mm -hmm. Like the question we need to be asking is how do we take this content that has changed our lives? Like I'm sure everyone listening to this has had a significant experience with some kind of spiritual practice or teaching in their lives. Sure. How do we take these practices and put them and apply them into other people's context? Take the content and put it in their context. And so I tell people my book the meditation practice that I'm teaching and that I've it's, it's this is I didn't make that up, right. you know, sure. like but the the part of it that I think is different or unique and I think important is applying it to things like social justice movements yes. and activism and dealing with racism and expanding our bit ability to understand what our biases are, how we can be like more inclusive spiritual people and not just uh, by way of talking about it, but like how do we do it? And and I'll say one thing, it's yeah. a lot of people start with the doing of it, yes. right? Like what do we do is always the first question. Yeah. But we don't that's not where we need to start. And we know this, spiritual people, we know this. But I think this world of of understanding how we create a more just world for ourselves, for our families, for the community, for the environment, we we're so afraid and, and it feels so new to us to have these big discussions that we start asking, what do we do? Right. And I like to tell people that it starts inside. Always. And it starts with awareness, but not just awareness. Like this is this is awareness so that we can take action. Yeah. This is not just like, let me sit and send loving kindness. Yes, let me yeah. do that.
1: Yep.
2: Let me use the awareness that I have now to see that I have agency to help create change. Yes. And whether that's on a global scale or in your family, right. you know, like how do we take those steps? And, and so the book really helps use meditation as a tool yeah. to make those actions happen. And so that's kind of the way that I talk about it.
1: Absolutely beautiful. Again, same. Like what I did in my approach was I looked at these great wisdom teachings that I found very interesting, but I knew a lot of people like me wouldn't if I loaned them, you know, like a Ramdas. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm yeah. always surprised at how many people like Ramdas are younger, but, you know, the Gita or, you know, the Panishads or whatever tr- the tradition is, it doesn't matter. So. What I wanted to do, just like you, is how can I distill this in a way that is accessible and something that, you know, not specifically just the younger generation, but, you know, people like me who otherwise wouldn't be attracted to that, you know, very yeah. white, very pristine love and light spirituality, I wanted to distill it in that way and meet people where they were at. And so just like you, I took that approach, different scenarios, but very yeah. similar idea. And, um, and I love that that's happening. You know, I'm not the first person to do it. You won't be the last person to do no. it. But I'm, I'm glad that yeah. it's, it's taking shape more and more in that way, which is beautiful because I think that's what people need. You know, they're, you're exactly right. Like you grew up in the hood you know, I, I, I can only imagine you like trying, I don't know what some of your big influences or spiritual books were, but you know, if you tried to hand one, you know, to someone on the corner, like what's the reaction you're going to get? Same thing. I yeah. would get it like a hardcore show or a hip hop show or whatever. Like yeah. um, I don't like to make blanket statements, but most likely, you know? So yeah. that's why I love you take that approach. We're we're right there together uh, in that. And so, Moving deeper into the book, it's split into two sections. And um, the first section, which I think is so important, is you dispel five myths about spirituality. Um, Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest, I went through my phase, I've been on the path for over 20 years, and I, it was called Spiritual Materialism at that time, a book mm-hmm. by Joe Gim Trungpa Rinpoche that I absolutely still yeah. love. Um, and, you know, there's a slight difference, but they're kind of the same thing. I went through my phase, I wore the malas, not that there's anything wrong with that. I learned the language, I, you know, I dressed the part, I talked the talk, yeah. until I got to the point where, kind of like you, it was like no it's outside stuff it's not inside I was spiritualizing my ego that's all yeah. I was doing and so yeah. at that point I'm like okay time to put the bullshit away and let's get <laughs> real let's get raw I got into yeah. trauma-based therapy and I realized like I can still listen to like a public enemy album and be a spiritual person it doesn't matter you know like it's yeah. what it means for you so yeah so these five myths, I'm going to read yeah, them, and I would please. love your commentary on any and or all of them, whatever whatever right. you like to do. Okay, number cool. one, I can't concentrate long enough. Number two, I can't get my mind to stop thinking. Number three, I have a hard time relaxing and sitting still. Number four, I have, uh, or I'm sorry, number four, I heard meditation is against my religion. Number five, I kind of feel like I meditate when... And in parentheses, uh, insert physical activity here. All things yeah. that I am intimately familiar with, both personally yep. <laughs> and working with others. So, like I said, if you want, if there's one or a few or all of them, I yeah.
2: Would... Let me let me comment on a, on a couple of the important. Yes. Ones. Some of the obvious, I think. And but uh, I'll start here with the with the last one that you mes- mentioned. So many people when they come to me, they're like, or you'll just people, oh. I... I mean, no, I don't sit and meditate, but I meditate when I'm biking or I meditate when I'm singing or I meditate when I play my instrument or I meditate when I write or when I walk or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really an interesting thing to talk about because there is there is a distinction that we want to make between mind practicing mindfulness and practicing meditation. Right. And, um, I think while all those activities can get us into a mindful state of flow right. and like directed focus that helps our mind feel a little bit more clear and at ease and in flow, that there is just an incredible benefit of being alone with yourself in meditation. Absolutely. And one of the things that I always find is that people say this, and I get it. Like I used to be like this too, you know, like when they sit by themselves and they sit in silence, that just feel like it goes crazy and then they can't sit and they can't focus. But yeah. what I tell people is like, if you can't be alone with you, with just you alone, how do you expect to ever know who you actually are without any external stimuli, without anything, you know, coming in except for you? And, and so that leads to kind of one of the other points that I think is really interesting for people is um, people always think I think one of the biggest misconceptions about meditation is that people think that it's supposed to always be relaxing.
1: Mm, yes.
2: And because people think it's supposed to be relaxing, they feel like they're doing it wrong when they sit down and they feel stress or they feel anxious or they feel anxiety or they're thinking about bad shit or sorry, can I say that? Of course. No, this like, is like or <laughs> so
1: whatever comes having, up, these, comes out. <laughs> so
2: when they're having these moments, but the thing is, if you're somebody who's faced trauma or has gone through anything in your life when you sit down to get quiet yep just like if you're sitting in your living room and everything is quiet you start to hear the refrigerator buzzing in the background right. yes but if you have noise going on you will never notice the refrigerator buzzing yep. right and so once you get quiet you start to this stuff will start to come up to the surface and it's coming up to be to be bathed and soothed and sometimes released or sometimes coming up so it could say, hey, look at me, this is where you need to work, this is where you need to focus, this is where you need to heal. But we all have so much practice pushing this shit down. And I get it, we have to push it down. It's ingrained, yeah. And and, and to be honest, we have to oftentimes just to survive. Look, like I, I just spoke, uh this past month in Chicago to a group of women the or an amazing organization called purpose over pain who uh is a group of women who have lost their sons to gun violence in south side Chicago sure. so like when they sit down these images of their sons are coming up and these different things are happening but like they can't have that going on throughout their day-to-day life right. they'd never be able to survive right. so there is a, a positive to having the ability to put stuff away and compartmentalize. Yes. Yep. But meditation is the moment that a lot of this stuff comes up, and, and then we use that awareness to again learn what actions we need to take to help us heal. Yeah. And so, what I tell people is meditation is, is actually not about relaxing, meditation is about becoming more alive. Yes. It's about becoming more connected to our passions, more connected to our emotions, more connected to the people we love, more connected to the causes that we believe in. And so, you know, this book is not just for people who are, you know, dealing with racism or dealing with whatever. It's for all of us who are trying to overcome the struggle, whatever particular struggle that may be, that's keeping us from stepping into our dharma and fulfilling our mission on this planet.
1: Yeah so beautifully said and again resonate with all of it um I, man i I could have commented on every sentence you just said because i'm <laughs> literally i am right I saw you, like
2: we're on for people who are listening we're on video and i saw him just like yes and i'm like yeah.
1: i'm with you <laughs> yeah because when i started meditating i had the the misperception like you you said and um of course the the bliss moments are wonderful but it's not that and like you said people are like like you said either i'm doing it wrong or i don't want to do this but that's where like real healing begins because we are allowing that which we have repressed and made unconscious we're now reowning and reintegrating that material and in my life um meditation was the gateway and and you know i never tell anyone what to do i only say what works for me and you find out what works for you, and and I'll share, you know, what what's helped. But uh, when I started doing trauma-based therapy, like EMDR, that yep. took it to a whole nother level I for me. I just
2: started EMDR. Did it you really? Lasted- Last year, just started, it's been, wow.
1: How amazing,
2: right? But like having a meditation practice, and this is scientifically proven, this is not like woo-woo stuff, like having a meditation practice deepens your experience and healing and all these other modalities. Absolutely. And so it's amazing. Yes,
1: and that's why with EMDR, I'm like, how is this working like so easily am i lying to myself and the gentleman teaching it or or the therapist i was seeing was a buddhist meditator and he's like well you've been meditating for over 20 years right i'm like yeah he's like your guards down you just need yeah. to you know it's helping you connect so um yeah. i love that and 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 you're correct that also there is that difference and the more we meditate though the more we do bring it out into the world and the more those moments of mindfulness can become moments of meditation. Um, and yeah. I like that you mentioned the difference. You've, there's the flow, like an athlete in the flow, but uh, I love running. And there have been times where I've had completely non-dual transcendent meditative experiences um, where like there was just this most subtle sense of isness there. This yeah. was gone. Same thing I've had sitting on a, a zafu, but you know, it's been out in the world. It's happened at concerts. It's uh amazing. And again, it's just the more you do it, the more natural it becomes and it's not a cure-all. There's no such thing, but it's doable. Um so yeah. Uh, any other ones? I know you're well, kind of hitting on a few. Say, yeah,
2: I just wanted to say one thing that you just commented on is like, as we meditate more, you said something like this, and this is not exactly what you said, sure. but like as we meditate more, um, you know, we then are able to take those actions. And I think one of the things that, I'm, that I wanna just name here is that all of us are not taking the actions. And, and we we'll don't know what actions to take. And mm. like we get in these mindful states and we can start to meditate for the benefit of, of the self. Sure. Right. And I think that what the world is calling upon all of us, especially the spiritual people, especially the woke people, the people who are paying yeah. attention,
0: yeah.
2: is like it's calling on us to really ask, what can we do from this place of deep awareness? Yeah. Like, what can we do? And My intention with writing the book is to help answer that question from so many different levels, like what do we do with the trauma, what do we do with the pain, what do we do for the environment, what do we do for equality and for the people and for all these things and you yeah. know with a crazy election year coming up and all this kind of stuff it just yeah. it seems more important now than ever that we're yeah. able to mobilize and get our asses off off of our zafus yes. you know right. like do something so yeah it's, it's it's all well
1: and good like in the yoga studio yeah. and, and on the cushion but it If we leave it there, then what's the point? You know? So I I appreciate you saying that. And this is a very important year to be as active as possible. Um so yeah, so jumping into uh well that was section one part of it. Um you also talk about the ten step guide to helping people create a daily meditation practice. Now I don't you know, being an author as well, you don't want to give everything away in the book, which I understand, but you know, can you talk a little bit about that process and yeah. You to that?
2: So, so what I wanted to do with this book in particular is again, like the first part of the book, the first half or so, um, teaches people how to create their own practice that requires no guidance, no one else guiding anything, but you doing it right. on your own. And, and then the second half of the book provides these Uh, I have 33 what I call mini practices. It's kind of like a buffet. You know, so you go in and you pick what you like and you, and those are for things that you need a little extra support on or areas that you don't know how to get into. And so, but for the first part, um, I think the one thing that I, so essentially what I teach is, um, mindfulness based mantra meditation, you know, um, and but the thing that I have heard from people that is unique is that I encourage people to actually self-generate their own mantra. Mm. And I and I walk people through a process in that 10 step guide to self-generating their own mantra. And what I find, and I have I just I feel lucky because I, I think because I present so casual to people yeah. and don't look like what a meditation teacher I had same as you, like right. people expect, right. you know, to look like. People just get really honest with me. Yeah. And a lot of people will say, oh, I meditate, you know, oh yeah, it's fantastic, but really when they're real, they're like, I try to meditate, but I'm really just beating myself up the whole time because I can't stop thinking. Yeah. Or I try to meditate and every once in a while I have a really good experience, but I feel like I'm really just trying and, and I don't know how to do it. Or, oh yeah, I'm using this app, but I actually don't really like it. I just feel like it's a chore and something I'm supposed right. to do, you know? And and here's what I find, like all the all the time is, Guided meditations and apps are fantastic. They are great. I'm not shitting on them in any way, shape, or form. And I find that when we don't have the agency or the understanding to call on the energy that we need in our own lives during our practice, then we become reliant on some guru, whether it's a person or an app or whatever, to tell us what it is that we're supposed to need. Yes. And so, for example, I had a friend who was uh, meditating and he was getting ready to go on stage and do a huge performance. Yep. And the app that he was using that he would meditate before so we could get centered was having him meditate on being calm and being peaceful. And he felt like it was like this complete dissonance like happening in his system because what he was feeling in his body was excitement and right. like power and like he and he felt like the app was telling him that that was wrong because right. he should be peaceful and calm, but there's actually nothing wrong with excitement and a little bit of anxiety and a little bit yeah. of fear when you're getting ready to go on stage in front yes. of thousands of people, yes, and so I told him, drop the calm shit, yeah, let's meditate on the word power and presence, yeah, let's yeah. get that let's let let that be your mantra, yeah. And so once he did that, it like unlocked everything for him because now the things that he was feeling were not in out of alignment with what the practice was trying to show him. And so what I encourage people to do in Stay Woke and I guide them through a process of exactly how to do it is to really look at their lives and who it is that they want to be. And I'm saying that very specifically about who you want to be, not what you want to do. Right. Who is it that you want to be in the world for yourself, for your family, for your community, for the planet? And then what energy is it that you need to cultivate? If you could take this energy out of an ATM every day, if you could drink it with your morning latte every morning, if you could, what, if you could just have this energy bathe and soothe you and that could help you become that which you know you are capable of being, what energy is that? I love that. What energy is that? And for some people, it's going to be love. For some people, it's going to be safety. For some people, it's going to be peace. For some, it's going to be power. I had somebody, and we have a practice in the book called this. I had one one kid in my class once. I asked this question. He goes, Beyonce. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, and, but I got it. Yeah. I got it. You know, like and And so for everyone, it's going to be different and when we're able to identify what that is that we need then meditation becomes this delight this yes. joy yeah. that we're getting to use To fill ourselves up with the energy that we need to step into our purpose on this planet more fully
1: love it, I, love I, it. I, I, The thing I would add <laughs> to that and I don't think you disagree. There's nothing wrong with teachers per se You no. know, we, that's yeah, yeah, that's how we learn and I don't call myself any specific tradition I um, I don't consider myself a spiritual teacher, um, even though I'm always introduced to such and you'll find my books in that category at the bookstore or psychology. But, um, it's so important for me and what I appreciate and what you were just saying was your vulnerability and your honesty about your friend's experience and you too. Like, you know, I, when I present same thing, like it's always odd to me because I feel like the token weirdo guy, um, presenting next to Marianne (laughs) Williamson and Don Miguel Ruiz and they're dressed all nicely and I'm there in jeans and a mob deep t-shirt just you know covered in tattoos but that's who I am and that's what I'm trying to teach people similar to what you said is don't believe a word I'm saying you find out for yourself I am I you know I would never lie to you I'm sharing what's helped me but we're all unique individuals and that's why I love the approach you take is you do you help people. Find what works for them instead of having someone just say, "I've got the answer. This is what you do." No, find out for yourself. Make it work. Yeah,
2: and 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 you know, one thing. Gosh, I have so many thoughts going through my head. Like you, yeah, I'm like feel so revved up in this yeah, excitement. So, yeah. so one thing is that people often tell people that, like, "Oh, find out for yourself. You have the answers within." But what I always find is that no one ever tells you how to do that. Right. So, like, okay. So how do I, how do I do that? And so my intention with the book is I guide people through this 10 step process to help them through that how of how you find the answer inside of you. And, and my teacher, Lauren Roche, and that's who, who has been my teacher for the last over a decade now. And is he, I remember, I'll never forget when he said to me, so actually I'll I'll add a really funny story in here for you. So it's short. Um, Lauren Roche, He, I met him on just by an act of God really, when I was really young and um, he invited me to meditate. He taught me on the beach one day and like that one day practice changed my entire life. And he basically just said, "Um, look, I want you to try this every day for two weeks and if it works for you, I'll teach you everything I know. I'll teach you everything. And I'm like, why, you know? And here's a guy who charges thousands of dollars for private sessions, you know? And I'm like, why? And he just said, one day there are going to be people who need to hear your voice who don't need to hear mine, who need to have somebody who has your experience, who needs to hear mine. And, and, you know, this was a time when, you know, I didn't know any black people meditating. There was no Oprah challenge yet. right? (laughs) right. And, and so I ended up apprenticing with him and studying with him for, for years. And the thing that was really interesting is one day, and I was so nervous to tell him this because anybody who knows Lauren Roche, he's a, he's a Sanskrit scholar. Mm. and I was feeling very disconnected from Sanskrit like I was going to these classes and all these teachers were telling me oh it doesn't matter what it means it doesn't matter if you say it right just feel it in your heart and I'm like isn't that cultural appropriation like mm. like like doesn't matter what it means doesn't matter where it comes from doesn't matter if you say it right right just let's just use it for you know our being and I I just didn't feel good with that so I had went to Lauren and I was like so scared to tell him I'm like Lauren I can't do this Sanskrit thing. Yeah. Like I don't like this, and I thought that meant that I wasn't gonna be able to meditate. Right. I thought that it meant that I wasn't gonna be able to practice right, and, and I was doing something wrong. And he said to me, and this is what gave me the freedom, he just said, Justin, the real point of meditation is to realize that the guru is within you. Yes. That's the whole point. Yep. And so, if right now your inner being is having this rejection of Sanskrit, like. Reject the shit. He yeah. actually, he, what he actually said was "fuck it." That's what yeah. he said. And I, was like, I love that. Here's somebody who's been a scholar for Sanskrit for years, and he's like, "No, and the truth, I don't have anything against Sanskrit. I use yeah. it all the time now." But I think what was hard for me was the the use of it without any reverence of where it came from. And we see right. this in our community so much. We're chanting in kirtans, which I love kirtans, yep. and don't even know what the talking about. Yeah, and so and but and supposedly that's supposed to be quote unquote okay. Yeah. But that's only okay because nobody wants to take the time to know. And this is this is have to shift, you know. And so anyway, I'm telling you that story because um, I think that when we're empowered to create a mantra in our own language, whatever language that is for you and that is a word or words that resonate deeply with our being and what our soul is calling for, we're able to create a practice that is actually customized for ourselves. And when we look back in history, actually, this is how it was done. Like, mantras were given as prescriptions to individual people based on what was happening in their lives, you know? And and this is how we now can can do that for ourselves.
1: Love that. Quick note on that. I was speaking with Christian Das, who's probably the most famous Kirtan musician. Yeah. He's on the Absolutely. network. Yeah. Great dude. Um, it's so funny people listen to his music, but if you ever sit down and I was living in Ottawa once and he was playing, he's like, Come hang out, you know, let's see the sound check and you know, he's dropping F bombs every other word and I'm like, K D, what? Like, um but what he said, you know, he was saying that the he said what was kind of contradicting to what you said was that it's not the words; it's the emotion behind the words and the intention. And then on the other side of that, I have uh, w- one of my dear friends. Her name's Alana Kaivalya, is a Sanskrit scholar as well, and she wrote uh, many books. One of them is called Sacred Sounds, and yeah. it talks about what you were talking about and learning. What are we saying? And my other friend, Lily Cushman, who is a wonderful Kirtan musician and uh, Sharon Salzberg's assistant, just put out a book. I think. Um, Gosh, I'm forgetting the name. Something about mantras, a uh, little mantra book or something like that. Um, but again, like letting people know why are we saying this? What are we saying? And and I remember I got into an argument with my friend Alana years ago. She lives in Queens, and I was out there because we p- performed kirtan together as well. And I said a word incorrectly, and and she was like, "You shouldn't do that." You know, there's energy, and I got it, I got all defensive because I'm like, "Fuck it, I I pronounce words wrong all the time. I don't care." Yeah. And, but she helped me understand, like that, you know. So I see both sides of it. I actually just got two Sanskrit words tattooed on me, uh, two days ago, you know, which is so funny because, uh, well, I have a few, but just because, <laughs> you know, Ram Das was my root teacher and he would yeah. say, like, uh, similar about the guru, I'm just the hook for maharaji his guru and maharaji yeah. will tell you that he's not the teacher either you know it's yeah. in you it's life it's it's everything so um, yeah
2: and and you know what chris like i i want to say that i agree with you and i agree with i with everybody that the intention behind it is what matters i and so i don't think that that's wrong sure yeah i think that it is a this and and what's happening right, right. now is we are, we're in a very interesting moment in history, yeah. especially with the spiritual community, because what is happening right now is the community has been, for better or for worse, mostly white, Absolutely. and what's happening is people of color and people of different indigenous backgrounds and in different communities are, are stepping up to the plate and saying, hey, we, none of this that you're saying is wrong, we just need a more inclusive amendment. Yeah. You can't use my ancestor stuff Yes, you can say it wrong, of course, you can right. say it wrong, but, like, can you at least give it some reverence of what it means and where it comes from right and I think that's what's happening with everything every law of the universe and laws in our land right now is like we're getting amendments that are making everything a little bit more inclusive, which isn't saying the intention of the law isn't correct, it's just right. saying that we need to adjust a little bit now, and yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing that's happening and and so, um Anyway, I just wanted to add that in because I think it's important that I'm not saying it that the, that any of that is incorrect. I'm just saying oh, that yeah. there's, there's more that we can step forward into.
1: Yes, you know? I agree. And I didn't take it as such. I appreciate your yeah. clarification. And I agree. I had Spring Washam on the show. I don't know if you know her work. Um, she's a wonderful uh, African-American uh, meditation teacher. Um, one of the rare, you know, uh, and. She's phenomenal. I recommend if you're interested looking up her work. Thank you. Her, I will. Yeah, her book is tremendous and Spring Washam. Uh, yep, Spring just like the season W A uh Wash A M. Spring Washam. Yep. Lovely lovely woman, very kind. Um yeah, I think you'll appreciate cuz she grew up in uh just in between Compton and Long Beach. Um so she uh, grew up in the hood too. And yep. we were talking about that and she was saying a lot of similar things to what you said and um takes a little different approach she's a little older than uh, I believe I am, but still yeah. a, a wonderful story, a wonderful book I think you'd appreciate it Thank uh, you. but I know we are just about out of time we got a late start um my fault, my bad but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to have you back on the show Justin because like I, there was a million things I wanted to talk to you about. I feel like we had a great start to this conversation. yeah people have a general idea of the book which. Is it out?
2: It comes out February eleventh, twenty twenty. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So depending on when this podcast comes out, it'll be out or not. Okay.
1: Excellent. <laughs> so I'm. I want to when it does come out or shortly thereafter have you back on because seriously, that. there's so much more I'd love to talk I to you about. I could talk to you
2: for hours. I Same. could talk to you for hours. Yeah. I can hate I, that can we... I
1: yeah. say one thing,
2: Chris? But, Sorry, I didn't yeah, interrupt.
1: No, I, I always let my guests have the last word. So please.
2: Yeah, I, I just wanted to say that one of the things that I, to be honest with you, am, am most proud of um, with this book is not just the book itself, but actually the way that sounds true has really stepped up to the plate with me to help get this into into the communities that need us and get this into new contexts. And so when we started planning the book tour, um, what happened is I got introduced to the marketing team as usual. I'm like, okay, we're going to do these bookstores and we're going to do this. And I said, uh... Like, I don't know if that's going to work, you guys, because I am write this book for the rest of us and the rest of us are not in indie bookstores and all these affluent neighborhoods. And so what's happening is we are going on what we're calling the Stay Woke, Give Back Tour. And we have researched the 10 most impacted cities in the United States, places like Detroit and Chicago and Atlanta and Flint. And we're actually going into high schools. And we're going into colleges and we're giving the book away for free Amazing. to thousands of students, thousands, entire student bodies, doing a big keynote event in each school. And we're actually have created a 40-day guided meditation audio program for long-term support for all the students. Get active for free. And um, our mission right now is to go to as many cities and as many schools as we possibly can. Yep. And so what we're doing is we are coming together as a community to really help spread these teachings that we know have changed our lives into the lives of thousands of kids around the country. And so for anybody who wants to give back to that movement, the reason we're calling it the Stay Woke Give Back is because we, the entire community, are are giving to make this movement come to life. Yeah. Um, kind of like a crowdfunding or a Kickstarter, but it's not that. Sure. Um, they can go to staywokegiveback.org, staywokegiveback.org, and every donation is tax-deductible, and donations, large or small, it costs $8 for us to, to serve one child, and so you can give as little as $8 or as much as you want, and there's sponsorship opportunities, and there's partnership opportunities, but any donation large or small helps us take this book and this mission out to the people who need us most and people who aren't getting access and and that is what my heart is really the most excited about mm-hmm. so i'd love for you to pre-order the book but i'd love even more for you to to give back to this this mission to bring this to kids around the country
1: i appreciate you sharing that for anyone listening that link again with the other ones just scroll down please click on it please support justin and his work because uh, you know i this is our first time connecting and there is no doubt, you know. I feel your heart. I feel your sincerity, your integrity, your authenticity, and just your your desire to be of service. And uh, so, I bow so deeply to you for that, man. Like we're I in this thing together, man. We we're are. We are. Yeah. And when I get the book, I I uh I don't teach this out of my books when I go to youth, and I think this is something that uh, they will love. So I'm sure I'll be bringing your book to many of my workshops and spreading cool. the good word with uh those folks as well so um yeah everyone listening please visit justin's website please if you can donate do so if you can't donate share the link every little bit helps do whatever you can justin has been a sincere pleasure and i look forward to having you back on sometime very soon
2: thanks chris much love brother
1: thanks much love right back